All right, everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast, where we help you connect with the past through food. My name is James, and I'm your host. Today is episode 50, with a big exclamation point, 50. First, I wanted to take a moment, as always, to thank each of you for listening to the show. We have smashed previous month totals in total listens, and that's incredible. There's still a week left in the month. I really can't do this show without you, so if you like what you're hearing, make sure you leave a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. It really will help make the show more visible and accessible for new listeners. So super appreciative for those of you that have taken a moment to leave a review. And again, just super grateful for all of you for listening to the show today. So again, I'm going to put a plug in there for some food memories. How do you connect with your past through food? That's the question that I've been asking listeners uh, for the past few weeks, past several episodes, do you have a favorite family recipe that you make when you're feeling nostalgic? Or maybe you frequent a particular restaurant chain with your kids because that's where your parents took you to eat growing up. Whatever the memory might be, I want to hear about them and I want to share them with my audience. So let's get you on the show. Or if you prefer, I can read your story on the show. Just email me at toastykettle at gmail.com for more information on how to do this. So before I dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a quick update. I actually, so I did an episode a few weeks ago on White Castle. And one of the big revolutionary things White Castle did during the 80s was introducing uh, frozen... <laughs> frozen sliders. You can call a number and they would ship you frozen sliders to your door. So that was a way for people who didn't have a White Castle near them to still have this amazing uh, slider accessible. So I knew in the grocery store aisle they've had in the freezer food section, they've had White Castle sliders. I've always been a little curious about them, but never tried them. I felt duty bound to try them. Because of this show, because <laughs> I just did a big long episode on White Castle, I felt I had to try them. And so I I got some from the grocery store, picked some up, and I was actually pleasantly surprised. They had a decent onion flavor and a great texture for being something that you reheat in the microwave. I've always been curious about these sliders, but again, never tried them. In a couple weeks, I'm going to be driving through Vegas, and I hope to actually stop into the White Castle in Vegas and to try a slider from the actual restaurant. But overall, just super impressed with it. It, it was cheesy. It was melty. It was delicious. Uh, had a good onion flavor. Had a good texture in the meat patty. Just overall, really, really good. Well done. Well done, White Castle. <laughs> uh, so now for the show. So what are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk all about Oreos and who invented Oreos. Have you ever wondered who invented the Oreo? This cookie came on the scene in 1912, and they never looked back. The question on who invented Oreos is fairly straightforward. 
1898, several biscuit companies merged to form the National Biscuit Company, or Nabisco. I thought that was interesting. Uh, they went through a couple iterations of the name. Uh, they went by NBC uh, and were known as Nabisco later. Uh, so that's how Nabisco got their start. As a newly formed company, Nabisco's first real hit came in 1902 when they launched their Barnum's Animal Crackers. And these were made famous by selling them in a small box that was shaped like a circus cage. A few years later, Nabisco began working on a new creation, the Oreo. When thinking about who invented Oreos, there's one company that must be discussed. Sunshine Biscuits Incorporated. So why would we be talking about Sunshine Biscuits Incorporated? Well, Sunshine Biscuits was a company that started in an interesting way. As I was digging into this, there really is enough drama in the history of biscuit and cookie manufacturers to fill a whole episode, and I think I'm going to have to try to do one of these episodes in the future because there's just a lot of history there. But the gist is this. In 1890, biscuit companies were a big deal. There were hundreds of companies producing snacks. They'd merge together and lower prices to compete with other companies and then merge and then lower prices and compete with other companies. Eventually, you had three major players that resulted from these companies combining. You had the American Biscuit and Manufacturing Company, the United States Baking Company, and the New York Biscuit Company. Eventually, the American Biscuit Company and the New York Biscuit Company merged, and that was that merger that formed the National Biscuit Company, or Nabisco. Now, Joseph Luce sat on Nabisco's board of directors, and in 1902, he and his brothers, Jacob and John Wiles, liquidated their shares of Nabisco, and started their own company, the Loose Wiles Biscuit Company. They had a dream of a factory that would be filled with sunshine, and as a result, they adopted Sunshine as their name. Now, they never registered the Sunshine name and brand with, as a, a trademark, and they had some legal troubles because of that with imitators and competitors using their name. In 1946, the Loose Wiles Company officially changed their name to the Sunshine Biscuit Incorporated. So why am I doing a deep dive into Sunshine Biscuits on a show about Oreos? Because many believe they were actually the first to invent the Oreo. In 1908, they released a sandwich cookie that consisted of two chocolate cookies and a vanilla cream filling. Sound familiar? Well, that's because it sounds like an Oreo, <laughs> but it wasn't an Oreo. They actually called it, drumroll, the Hydrox, and they get the award for worst name for a cookie ever. Uh, still blown away by that. Um, they Something about how they wanted to capture the, uh, the image of purity and uh, refinement in their ingredients by referencing water, What's more pure than a hydrogen and oxygen atom bonding? So they went hydrox for short. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. It's a cookie. <laughs> um, anyway, 
Nabisco and Sunshine had a habit of pinging back and forth off each other's ideas. Sunshine would produce Trump's cookies and Nabisco would produce Ace's cookies. Sunshine produced animal crackers and Nabisco produced Barnum's animals. So naturally when Sunshine made the Hydrox, Nabisco was quick to follow with the Oreo. And I had never heard of Sunshine Biscuits uh, or the company because you know, it, it's one of those brands, Hydrox, who's heard of that. Uh, however, they're best known for the Cheez-It cracker. So Cheez-Its in stores are, are still manufactured today under the Sunshine Biscuit label. Sunshine was acquired by Keebler, the Keebler company, in 1996, and their Hydrox cookies were discontinued in 1999. Keebler launched their version of the Hydrox, the Droxy, also just a mouthful, the Hydrox Droxy. Keebler was acquired by Kellogg's in 2001, and they removed Droxies from the market in 2003, and then introduced their version of the sandwich cookie, and so on. So for the 100-year anniversary of, of the Hydrox, Kellogg's brought the cookie back and distributed it using the Sunshine label. And if you're a Hydrox fan or one of the truly few who gets nostalgic for a Hydrox instead of an Oreo, I have good news. Today, Hydrox cookies are back on shelves. They are produced by the Leaf Brands. And in fact, when I was researching, I found that you can get a six-pack of Hydrox cookies for $28 on Amazon. And I'm going to have to try them to see how they compare with Oreos. I'm just not sure I want to make a $28 investment in that scientific experiment. So we'll have to see. Now, all of this to say that the sandwich cookie wasn't an original idea or innovation by Nabisco. However, Oreos became wildly successful and are the mainstream sandwich cookie we all think of today. When I want a sandwich cookie, when I'm craving a sandwich cookie, I don't declare to the world that I have a craving for a Hydrox. Though I will admit that would sound pretty cool. No. Instead, we all think of Oreos when the craving for a sandwich cookie strikes. So let's talk about the name. With all that backstory out of the way, uh, we're going to be nothing but Oreos from here on out. So an interesting part of the Oreo history is its name. Nabisco applied for a trademark on the Oreo on March 14, 1912, and it was granted on August 12, 1913. Many people wonder how Nabisco came up with the name for this amazing creation. The answer? No one knows. Even Nabisco isn't sure how they came up with the name. However, there are a few theories that are bouncing around the internet. So we're going to go into those. One theory is that it's named after the French word for gold. Or, gold was a common color on the original packaging, so that could make some sense. Another theory is that they honored a hill-shaped test version of the cookie that never made it to store shelves, never saw the light of day, by naming it after the Greek root for the word mountain. Another plausible origin is that it's from the Latin word for laurel, Oreo Daphne. Early designs of the Oreo cookie had a laurel wreath on them, 
And many of the other types of Nabisco cookies at the time had a botanical origin in their name. So that would make a lot of sense. And I actually, of all the different theories that I read out there, uh, that's the one that makes the most sense. So how have Oreos changed over time? The truth is they haven't changed much. Nabisco claims responsibility for the cookie itself. However, there's a name we can all attach to the cream filling. So the cream filling hasn't changed a whole lot. The cookie hasn't changed a whole lot. Who invented the filling? Sam Porcello was responsible for creating the recipe for the white stuff. And he was Nabisco's principal scientist for many years. His contributions to the cookie earned him the nickname Mr. Oreo. The official name of the cookie has changed a few times over the years, so not much has changed with the actual recipe, but the name has changed. (laughs) So when they first launched, they were known as the Oreo Sandwich. In 1948, Nabisco changed the name to the Oreo Cream Sandwich. And in 1974, they yet again changed the name to the Oreo Chocolate Sandwich Cookie. Uh, To me, that feels like a mouthful, but that's what they stuck with, and that's what they are still using to this day. In 1920, Nabisco launched their first new flavor of Oreo. It was the lemon cream, and it was discontinued due to poor sales. However, it's made a comeback. um, (laughs) One of the many flavors that uh, Nabisco has launched over the years and continues to have on the shelves. In 1984, Nabisco introduced the Big Stuff Oreo. I had to do a shout-out for this one because it actually looks amazing. This is a giant Oreo. It contains 316 calories per cookie. Uh, Again, they look amazing, and they launched a really weird but really cool 90s video to market it. There's some great hairstyles, awesome fashion, a Mustang, and uh, crazy hair crazy dancing. Uh, So got to check it out. I put a link to the YouTube video in my show notes. So again, make sure you check it out. There have been countless flavors introduced over the years. Every year they have new limited time flavors that hit the shelves. Uh, Carrot cake is one of the more recent ones that I've seen that comes and goes. Uh, Birthday cake is another one. S'mores, chocolate, peanut butter. The list goes on. Some of them last a little bit longer than others. My personal favorite was the birthday cake flavor they launched several years ago uh, back in 2012 to celebrate their 100-year birthday. This was a temporary flavor that has actually stuck around through the years. So what's your favorite flavor? (laughs) I'd love to hear what your favorite flavor is in the comments. Um, So... (laughs) When it comes to Oreos, you have to uh, ask yourself, are you a biter, a twister, or a dunker? Uh, Do you just grab the Oreo out of the bag and just bite into it like a monster? Uh, Do you twist the Oreo with some refinement? Uh, Or do you dunk your Oreo in the milk? Uh, For you dippers out there, have you ever wondered what the optimal time is for dipping an Oreo? Researchers at Utah State University have actually done studies on how long is the optimal time 
to dip an Oreo. Their study focused on other cookies as well, like graham crackers and nutter butters. With Oreos, after one second, they've absorbed 50% of the fluids possible. Around four seconds, the cookie reached maximum absorption. Beyond that, you get less than ideal results. At five seconds, the sugars and proteins begin breaking down, so your cookie literally begins to fall apart on you. Uh, No one wants that. (laughs) So now, uh, to end the show today, I'm going to talk about some quick facts with Oreos. Uh, Double stuff Oreos don't actually have double the stuffing. Newsflash. In 2013, a high school math class actually calculated how much filling a double stuff Oreo contains. Turns out it has 1.86 times the filling of a standard Oreo, not two times the filling. Mega stuff Oreos were supposed to have three times the amount of filling. Instead, they have 2.68 times the amount of filling. The filling in an Oreo contained lard until the 1990s, so that's one of those changes that has happened to the recipe that Sam Porcello put together back in 1912. In 1912, it was cool and okay to use lard. However, they removed that in the 1990s. Coincidentally, this was the nail in the coffin for Hydrox cookies. Hydrox didn't use lard, so they marketed themselves as the kosher alternative to an Oreo. When Oreo dropped lard from their ingredient list, they became kosher. So now they can market themselves as the kosher alternative to an Oreo. You can just eat an Oreo. So again, Hydrox, their woes continued. Shockingly, Oreos are vegan. This one blew my mind. Uh, Several years ago, I was moving from Florida to Utah. My brother-in-law flew out to help me move, and he has severe dairy allergies. And when we went to the grocery store to get some travel food, you know, some food to keep us awake as we're driving that moving, moving truck across country, he got some Oreos. And I said, hey, Everett, you're not supposed to eat Oreos. They've got, uh, I'm sure they have dairy in them. And he said, no, no, you can actually eat Oreos. Uh, Shocked that a chocolatey and creamy cookie doesn't contain any dairy whatsoever. So fascinating. There you go. Um, 50% of Oreo eaters twist open their Oreo before eating it. Women will twist their Oreos open more often than men. Another study showed that Oreos are as addictive as cocaine. A study on rats in 2013 showed that Oreos are as addictive as psychoactive drugs. It's been well documented how the snack food industry uses a fatal combination of salt, sugar, and fats to hook us on certain foods and make us eat more than we need. Oreos have apparently mastered this strategy. Another interesting fact, uh, pigs hate Oreos. Ben and Jerry's discovered this one. (laughs) In 1985, the company started giving its milky water waste to a pig farmer. The pigs loved every flavor except the mint with Oreo cookies. So there you go. Pigs don't like Oreos. Oreos are available in over 100 countries. Uh, This one blew my mind. You know, when you think of American snack foods, 
they don't always translate to other countries and other cuisines. Uh, Oreos have found their way around that by having different flavors like green tea for some Asian countries, uh, China in particular, and uh, and yeah, they have been wildly successful in over 100 countries. Oreos, in fact, are the best-selling cookie in the world. Since they launched in 1912, they have sold over 450 billion cookies. Another fun fact, the way that you eat an Oreo might say something about your personality. In 2004, Kraft Foods surveyed 2,000 Oreo eaters and found that dunkers tend to be energetic, adventurous, and social. Twisters are sensitive, emotional, artistic, and trendy, and biters are easygoing, self-confident, and optimistic. Also, (laughs) because it's an election year, Republicans tend to dunk, while Democrats are twisters. Every year, more than 40 billion Oreo cookies are being produced in 18 countries around the world. All of these Oreos stacked on top of one another would circle the world five times. And Nabisco has a social media savvy marketing team for Oreos. Oreo has a Facebook community of more than 42 million Oreo lovers around the globe, representing more than 200 countries and dozens of different languages. Oreo ranks among the top 10 brand Facebook pages in the world. And finally, Oreo is responsible for $2 billion in sales annually. So it's a big business for Nabisco and for their parent company. Um, It's crazy. Uh, It's crazy the success that this company has had. And it all started from a humble cookie back in 1912, and it's grown to where it is today. So again, some great questions for you to leave in the comments or to share with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Toasty Kettle. I would love to hear how you eat your Oreos. Uh, Are you a dunker? Are you a biter? Are you a twister? Or do you have some strange, undiscussed way of eating your Oreos? I want to hear about it. Also, what's your favorite flavor? That can almost be as polarizing as the way you eat your Oreo. Again, my favorite is birthday cake. Uh, It's a really well done uh, birthday cake flavor. Every brand of snack food has a birthday cake item out there. Oreo does it really well, and it tastes amazing. End of story. (laughs) So I remember growing up, one way I would eat Oreos, and I still do this every once in a while, is I will actually take two Oreos, and I will twist them apart, and then I'll take each side that has the frosting, and I will put them together. So I will have a true double stuff Oreo. And then I'll eat the, <laughs> the plain chocolate cookies and then enjoy this really thick and delicious creamy cookie. Um, so I guess that is a different way of eating blends, a few different methods of eating an Oreo there as well. And then, uh, you know, a year or two ago, I was, you know, getting lost on YouTube and 
the internet and found that there's a life hack for eating Oreos. You can actually uh, stick a fork down in between the sandwich cookie uh, into the white stuff and use that as a handle to dip your Oreo in milk. So that way you don't have to get your fingers wet in the milk and you can use the fork and dip it down in there and then use the fork to shovel the cookie into your mouth. Once it has reached the optimal milk absorption, again, around four seconds. So that's all I have for you today. Again, if you like what you heard, make sure you leave a five-star review wherever you get your, your podcasts. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Toasty Kettle. You can sign up for the newsletter at ToastyKettle.com. You get a free vintage cookbook when you do that. So make sure you check that out. And uh, yeah, that's it. Until next week.